and welcome everybody to this month's Wildstorm Addiction. This is episode number 26 for October 2011. I'm Ben Murphy. And I'm Joe Davis Solis. And this month we will be reviewing and discussing the new DCU versions of Grifter number one and Voodoo number one, as well as some other Wildstorm appearances within the new DCU 52 and other tie-ins. Do want to remind everybody that there are spoilers uh, when we review these and discuss these. We spoil the heck out of them. That is why Joe does a written review on the website Wildstorm Addiction every week when the books come out. And he's usually pretty prompt on that. So check them out then and you can get a good idea of what the book is before reading it and not have a spoiler within them. So thanks for doing that every week, Joe. No problem. And by this point in the game, obviously, you know, we expect you guys to have read everything. So (laughs) that's another reason why we spoil it. So let's go ahead and start with the first one, Grifter number one, which was released on September the 14th, which was another one of the new DCU 52. And uh, this one was written by Nathan Edmondson with art and cover by Cafu. Obviously, goes without saying that I am super excited that Grifter has a title after about what, 15, 16 years? Because <laughs> I still remember the old solo issues that Grifter had after Wildcats became popular. And this time, you know, obviously we saw a version of Grifter during Flashpoint, but that Grifter, you know, met his untimely demise in Flashpoint number five. So, so now what we're seeing is a totally start from scratch, forget everything you know about Grifter take on the character. And I've actually seen a lot of people back and forth about this, whether or not they like it or not. So let's just start here with how Nathan Edmondson literally just throws us into the story. You know, Grifter here is shown boarding an airplane. It's something that kind of, you know, starts off looking like it could be just like, you know, the average opening to a, a new TV show or something. You know, there's nothing there's nothing here that kind of gives a sense that it's a superhero book, but uh kind of like that because, you know, you're starting from this kind of uh, place where Grifter is, where he's disoriented. He's, he's getting on this plane. He doesn't really know why. He's hearing these voices about some sort of being or something that, that's going to seems like it's going to attack him and you know he's trying his best to keep his composure that is until the uh woman in the seat next to him on the plane decides to attack him (laughs) and lets him know that he wasn't just hearing voices there's really something out trying to kill him so you know right away edmondson opens up with some good action even though it's uh (laughs) it's grifter versus this crazed woman that obviously we know we find out later that she's possessed but uh, you know they they have this hand-to-hand fight in the middle of the airplane and he ends up killing her then shortly after that you know grifter freaks out and threatens to take down the whole airplane and gets one of the flight attendants to open the pressure door because apparently according to the explanation they're they're not high enough in the atmosphere to where it's going to cause any problems which that's a new concept to me i didn't know that could be done (laughs) but i trust nathan that he did his research on that because i know a lot of people were giving crap about that online they're like how powerful is grifter at this point if he can fall out of an airplane and survive so you know next thing we find out is that another one of the flight attendants apparently is one of these possessed people that's trying to kill grifter and so we uh in the opening act with him pushing grifter and himself out the airlock so definitely a uh very exciting introduction to the to the issue and then you know Edmondson purposely hits the brakes and sends us back in time to earlier which uh apparently the title of the issue by the way is 17 minutes which is another uh issue that comes into play later but we see that earlier i assume that day 
before the whole plane incident, uh, Grifter is showing us that that's what he does best. He's setting up some sort of of, of job where he, um, you know, is conning somebody out of money, and it's one of those where God, I can't think of the word, but it's like a a double switch. It's like he did a job for somebody, and and that person ended up trying to screw Grifter over, but Grifter shows that he's one step ahead and ends up with the money anyway. So I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I remember in the interview, Nathan said that he was going to show us, you know, why Grifter has his name. It, it's not necessarily, you know, because he's good at, you know, using weapons and stuff like that. It's because that's how he seems to make his living, is by grifting other people out of their money. So it was cool to see that aspect of the character, which honestly don't think has ever really been explored before. You know, it's one of those where we just kind of accepted that that was his name, other than maybe a few things here and there. I mean, I, maybe during the maybe during the years of Wildcat's, you know, Volume 2 and 3.0, he was more leaning towards that aspect of him, but I know early on it was all about Hexion with him. You know, then we uh, we, we show that there is a uh, woman in Grifter's life. Do you remember her name, Ben? I'll tell you right away, it's not Zealot, for those of you <laughs> for old Wildstorm fans. The woman that he's working with? Yeah. Gretchen. Gretchen, oh, okay. Uh, apparently it's like, you know, his partner in crime, and um, they're set to meet to split his quote-unquote earnings. <laughs> and that's when he gets abducted by some mysterious force. And the next thing we know, he's in some sort of lab, and he's hooked up to this machine that has a uh, giant kind of see-through iridescent, I don't know if that's the right word, creature that he seems to be communicating with. And of course, you know, long-time Wildstorm fans know already that this is a new... Uh, incarnation of the Wildcats old villain, the Daemonites. I really am liking the design here, and that uh, it seems to me that uh, they are staying kind of true to the original idea of the Daemonites, is that they would possess people and then use them and manipulate them, you know, for the, to further the Daemonite Empire. So we have a, a take on that here, that uh, apparently whatever was going on, Grifter interrupts the process, but uh, somewhere in there, it seems that uh, interrupting the process left it to where he can actually hear the creatures. So, as he's trying to escape, he ends up running into one of the humans who who apparently is possessed and works with the creatures, and Grifter ends up killing him and actually freaks out about it, which was something, again, that online I saw people you know up in arms about. You know, as if you really pay attention to how Edmondson set up this issue... And some of the clues he plants later, that was a legitimate reaction from Grifter because from his point of view, it seems like he's not killed anybody yet in his life ever. That comes into question later, but as far as from what he knows, his point of view, that seems to be the first person he's ever killed. Uh, Just kind of side note, we get to page 21 in panel number three. For those of you keeping track of the mysterious hooded lady in the pages of the new DCU 52, uh, which I thought is an interesting panel. I don't know how purposeful they are being with her, you know, with every issue. But the moment she shows up is the moment that Grifter picks up the cloth or the, I, I don't even know what it is, honestly, that will end up being his mask. So I thought it was kind of interesting that she chose this moment that's going to define him later. You know, seemingly unimportant moment. You know, he wipes he wipes the blood off his hands with the, on the mask. And uh, somebody also pointed out that uh, it'd be interesting to see if Edmondson did this on purpose, that uh, he grabs it from a store that's advertising Mardi Gras costumes, and specifically from a shelf that says Voodoo on it, which, you know, could be a nod to the Wildcats and the fact that, you know, eventually we assume that 
that him and Voodoo will meet up in the the DCU. So, I mean, if it's not intentional, it's a very interesting coincidence. So, and then from there, we kind of fast forward back to where we were with Grifter and the guy falling on the airplane. And mid fall, Grifter snaps the guy's neck, <laughs> and then they end up both in the ocean. And so then, according to the time that uh, Edmondson is tracking for us, two hours later, Grifter is somewhere back on shore getting a hold of Gretchen. And here's where the number 17 comes into debate. She says that he's been gone for 17 days, although Edmondson says here it's just two hours later. <laughs> so he's kind of playing with time a little bit, and I wonder if he's trying to confuse us as much as Grifter is. So... um We'll see about that in a second. Uh, Gretchen, you know, apparently is uh, pissed off with him because she thinks that he skipped out with the money. You know, like I said, the whole time issue, I don't know if it's meant to confuse us or Grifter or both, but it's definitely working because there's still one more thing uh, that I hope I catch here later. If not, Ben, you catch it for me. Um, but then Grifter finds out that he's he's a wanted man now. And... Um, and it's, it's for the it's for the incident on the plane. Then we pan over to the Pentagon, where one of the higher ups is talking to somebody who we find out is Grifter's brother. Which this makes the debut of the uh, DCU version of Max Cash. So I thought that was pretty cool that he uh, that Edmondson you know put Grifter's brother in here already. You know, obviously those of you who followed in the Wildstorm universe, you know. Max Cash died in that universe, and the only time we ever saw him come back was as an undead person. <laughs> so it's cool to see that, that he's here, and uh, apparently he's being tagged to go after his brother, which Grifter's real name is Cole Cash, for those of you who don't know. And it's interesting that he, that he mentions that Grifter was some sort of a Delta operative, that and that he's gone carn artist, gone terrorist. So that is the clue to those who were arguing, you know, why did Grifter freak out, that, hey, something's, something's going on here. Obviously, he doesn't remember a big chunk of his life if they're claiming that he was a Delta operative, and that would explain why he's able to kill people so easily. But at the same time, if you don't remember it, then, you know, of course that would freak you out. So, and then at the very end, you know, we end up in a New Orleans cemetery. You know, Grifter is still hearing the, the Daemonites taunting him. He takes the cloth or whatever that he found earlier and fashions it into a mask, which, you know, the last panel is him donning what we have come to know as the Grifter mask, which I thought was a great scene. And I love that uh, Edmondson, you know, got him back into the mask quickly because, you know, he said that he was going to try to explain why he did it. And, yeah, I can kind of see, you know, the whole, okay, he's a wanted man. He understands he needs to keep his face covered and so on and so forth. So... So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes from here. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, because I didn't double-check, I gave this issue, it was either 8 or 9, because I really liked it. I I had to take myself away from what I knew about Grifter, and I even had a friend of mine uh, who she's new to the DCU as far as the 52 is concerned, and she was kind of confused, but you know she was she was digging it. She was interested enough to where... You know, she said she's going to continue to follow Grifter, and she was asking me questions about him. And I said, you know what? It's better if I don't tell you anything about Grifter because I think you're the target audience 
you're the one who needs to tell me, are they doing a good job of making this character interesting now in the DCU as part of the New 52? So, you know, just to let you all know, I kind of have a side <laughs> a side experiment going on there. Because I'm different, obviously, because I know I've followed Grifter since the beginning. So I come from this from a different point of view. But I'm really digging this whole, you know, starting at the beginning, you know, let's let's show how he becomes Grifter. So I really enjoyed the issue. What did you think, Ben? You kind of talked me off a ledge a couple times there in your review, which is probably a good thing because, yeah, I don't think I'd give this a seven at all. Like, And knowing you and how much you love Grifter in the Wildstorm universe, I mean, your whole online persona is based around Grifter. I cannot believe that you liked it as much as you did. However, let me go into some of the details. Uh, the time thing. It confused the crap out of me, too, because he said 17, like, three times. And, yeah, he went from minutes to days. And then at the end there, the one thing that you had mentioned but forgot to remember, um, when he's in the uh, cemetery there, he actually says, I want my 17 hours back. Yeah, a lot of goofiness with the time thing. Um, I thought Cafu's art was amazing. However, like some of the other people online that did reviews, yeah, the whole airplane fight drove me insane. Uh, that that huge bird's eye view of the airplane and how much room there was between seats and the aisle and everything, it drove me nuts. I, I understand that it's probably got to be the hardest thing to draw and handle a fight scene within an airplane. But really, yeah, that, that bugged me to no end. Yeah, I don't know. It just it, it wasn't that interesting to me at all. I know that most of these guys have a five-issue contract um, for the new 52s. I don't think that I can give a good review for this title until I get through those first five and see where it goes from here. I did, however, really like the con artist thing. It, it was quick, but you're right. We've never seen that side of Grifter in Wildstorm because it was his name, but they never really brought it up a whole lot. So I dug that aspect. I was glad that they showed some of that, and I hope that they continue to show some of that. But yeah, overall, uh, it was a big meh for me. Well, you know, the the funny thing is, because like I said in my review, that I, uh, the written review, that, you know, I'm sure there'll be people out there who'll be like, well, you're biased, you like Grifter. Um, you know what? I like Superman too, but when they made him Electric Blue and Electric Red Superman, I hated that, <laughs> you know? Just because it's the character doesn't mean I'm going to like him. For me, it was like, if they're going to do a grifter, I'm going to really scrutinize this and be like, okay, is this grifter? You know, Because to me, a lot of times in the past, people have written him kind of goofy, and I don't know where that came from. He never really was that in the early days that I remember. It was like later sometimes. I don't know what they were trying to do, but I kind of noticed it in World's End you know, sometimes. But, you know, that's the thing, like, with 3.0, Wildcats 3.0, he was, there was a more serious side to him. That's when the grifter that could have been the con man existed for me. This one is kind of like that version of grifter, but at the beginning for me. It's the same thing in a, in a little while when we review, review Voodoo. I have a friend of mine kind of making the, the same argument that she wouldn't do that and grifter wouldn't do that. Well, these are not the same characters. Out of all the new 52 characters... 
these are really not the same characters. You know, it's not like some of the other DCU titles where some of the characters have changed dramatically, some of them have changed slightly, and some of them have changed not at all. <coughs> Green Lanterns. And uh, <laughs> that's why it doesn't bother me that this is where they're starting with this. Because, yeah, I want to see where he takes it, and I kind of see where he's going to go, and then I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the next few issues, because obviously we're going to get some uh, interaction with other other DCU characters who are coming after Grifter. So that's what I'm really looking forward to with this title. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You're right, it's not the same character, so I kind of have to let that go. But to that point, I don't know. I, I do. I like the Joe Casey version of Grifter more than any of the other ones. So is this one closest to that? Yes, probably. But I just need to read a few more issues to kind of get into it and let some other baggage go, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, that's the only way that I think older Wildstorm fans are going to enjoy this. They have to forget about the old Grifter. I mean, I'm sorry. I miss him too, but I'm just glad that there is a Grifter (laughs) that exists right now. And for the most part, I think he's going to be pretty much what we remember, but maybe a little bit more refined. If he continues with this, you know, we may get a variation on, like you said, the Joe Casey version, because I think that's more what what, uh, Edmondson's going to go for instead of the traditional one, which was the gunslinger. But uh, before we move on to our next review, uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break and hear from our friends over at the uh, Avengers podcast. So uh, we'll be right back. Viet Win here, and I'm here talking to Alex Smith about an amazing new product. Tell us about it, Alex. Thank you, Viet. Tell me, Viet, are you tired of reading all those Avengers books? Do you hate it when you have no one to talk to about the Avengers books you just read? Well, I'm sure we've all had that problem before, right? Well, you can say goodbye to those dreary days because now you have Earth's Mightiest Podcast. Wow, that is so interesting. How does it work? Earth's Mightiest Podcast gives plot synopses and reviews of not one, not two, not three, but four main Avengers titles. We're talking Avengers, New Avengers, Secret Avengers, and Avengers Academy. Wait a minute here. Are, are you saying all four Avengers titles? You've got to be kidding me. I would never kid you, Viet. But wait. There's more. If you start listening now, you'll not only get all four main Avengers titles, but I'll throw in coverage of the Fear Itself major event and some tie-ins absolutely free. That's just crazy, Alex. Okay, now, how much is this going to cost me? I'm glad you asked, Viet. So you get coverage of Avengers, New Avengers, Secret Avengers, and Avengers Academy, and the Fear Itself major event with some tie-ins, a million-dollar value, for not $100, not $50, not $30, not $20, or even $10. Right now, you can get Earth's Mightiest Podcast for four easy payments of $0.00. Now tell me, that's not a good deal. Oh my gosh, my mind is blown right now. It should be, Viet. But enough of me talking. Let's hear what our satisfied customers have to say. Before Earth's Mightiest Podcast came along... I was spending so much money on the Avengers and main event books. On top of that, I had no one to talk about all the books I read. Now, I don't ever have that problem, and my life is so much easier. 
Thanks, Earth's Mightiest Podcast. Find more about Earth's Mightiest Podcast at www.earthsmightiestpodcast.com. Earth's Mightiest Podcast is not affiliated at all with Marvel Comics in any way. Plot synopses may not be accurate. Earth's Mightiest Podcast is not responsible for any injuries, death, or babies conceived while listening to this podcast. All right. Welcome back. I'm going to dive into Voodoo number one, which was released at the end of the month in September on the 28th. Voodoo is written by Ron Morris, art and cover by Sammy Basri. A lot of controversy around this title. A lot of people wondering why this title was chosen as one of the 52 whenever all the announcements were made. I think uh, this may or may not have been a Jim Lee pet project that he wanted shown in the 52. You know, we had a great interview with Ron. He he explained his side of the things with, um, you know, the sexiness aspect and everything. He said, you know, where it's needed, it's going to be shown. We're not going to apologize for it. It is what it is. However, the internet, flame wars have already begun. So this review is going to take about three seconds because we're in a strip club. Voodoo's there. She is the highlight of the strip club. So every night there is a uh, special dancer and that whoever the top dancer is at the strip club, they call that dancer Voodoo. So that's how she gets her name, I guess. Um, right away, we're introduced to, to two FBI-looking agents who are enjoying the show. Well, one of them's enjoying the show. The guy is enjoying the show. The woman, however, is not. I, I guess I'll just let you guys know. This woman is most likely the Wildstorm version of Shire, who is you know the the leader of Black Ops. That was a very short miniseries for Wildstorm. They crossed over with DV8 once. Black Ops was like a, a splinter of IO, and they were headed up by Lynch. Shire's real name is Svetlana Grozny. I just like doing my Russian accent, so. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. So that's who, who this is, I assume. Um, and they're, they're enjoying the show, I guess, but they're really just uh, doing undercover work for Voodoo. And they're talking amongst each other, and Voodoo's stripping, you know, in front of them. And you get to see a cool reflection of her taking her top off in the guy's sunglasses. I thought that was cool. Uh, she dances, she dances, and she dances some more. I, I, I don't really know what else to say about this issue. <laughs> I think you're doing pretty good so far. <laughs> a lot of dancing involved. Um, uh, I, I don't know what to call her. Did, they, did she ever say her name, Svetlana, other than... I, I don't think they ever released their name. Oh, did they say her, her real name, you mean? Yeah. Because it, it's, it's Agent Fallon. I forgot oh, okay. her forgot her first name but um but yeah I'll, I'll check it out here continue with no, the dancing okay. anyways she she gets annoyed at all the sexiness that's happening you know since her her partner i guess is enjoying the show so much so she gets annoyed and leaves goes out into the street and bumps into some punk kids i guess <laughs> mouths off to her i mean it seems kind of silly but she ends up cracking some kid in the face and beating them all up and Pretty much is like, hey, you should have listened. Um, there is a small nod whenever she is uh, lighting up a cigarette that her lighter has the emblem to uh, the Black Razors. So we get to see a small fight scene. I think that was just to make sure that it wasn't all TNA. So there was a little bit of fighting. Um, and then we cut back to the changing room at the strip club there. 
and the girls are chit-chatting. And we get to hear about some of their pasts. We don't really care, I guess. Oh, come on, man. This is, you're, this is supposed to make you care about them. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody really cares. <laughs> Trying to send kids through college. So, uh, so jaded you know, comic fans are. They're all single mothers, of course. It's all very cliche. So, not <laughs> one, not one of them. <laughs> I know, not one of them. Women were like, I just like to take my clothes off. I mean, honestly, I wish that was in here just to be like, well, some women do. They just like to take their clothes off and have all the attention. However, that was not in there. Maybe next issue. <laughs> Maybe next issue. I doubt it. So that that agent decides to get a lap dance from Voodoo because he has to. Get to know her better, I'm sure. He's enjoying this little dance in front of him. And I think he's really enjoying it. And, oh, here's some more pages. Yep, he's really, really enjoying it. Um, And then something freaks her out. And she decides to turn into a crazy monster and slice him apart. Hey, that's the end of the issue. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) There's still a little bit more. Okay, she shapeshifts into him. Okay, now it's the end of the issue. Did I miss anything? You make it sound so anticlimactic. It's supposed (laughs) to be shocking. (laughs) Okay, so she has a new power at least. Yeah. She can completely shapeshift. That's something that we didn't know. Wildstorm version of Voodoo has some daemonite uh, DNA in her so she can partially shapeshift into a daemonite or fully. Um, We've only seen it a few times. This one, she fully shapes shifts into a lizard thing. And if Grifter is showing a re- reimagining of a Daemonite, what she shapes shifts into is nothing like that. So this has to be something else completely. I don't know what that is. Do I look forward to knowing what that is? Maybe. But from what I can tell, she can completely shape shift. It, it looks like she may have gotten this through experimentation from scientists. Uh, I don't know. I have a feeling they'll tie it into another book, maybe the Nowhere facility or something. I, who knows? What did you think of it? Because I, I can't go on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, again, I, I think the, the, there's two there's two sides of it, or maybe three sides, because... Again, just like with Grifter, there was people who really enjoyed that. They enjoyed the aspect that, you know, the strippers had personalities, you know, and they weren't just there to take their clothes off. You know, there were some people who thought that was stupid, just like you. <laughs> and there was some people who, you know, like I said, like a friend of mine who is an old Wallstorm fan, I'm trying to get him to come back into this. He argued that Voodoo wouldn't kill somebody. I said, you're right. The voodoo of the Wallstorm universe probably wouldn't. Maybe she would. I think there's probably some times she did kill people that we're not remembering. But <laughs> this is not her. This is a totally brand new version of the character. And yes, what she shapeshift into was not a Daemonite by the standards of the new DCU Daemonites. So I think it's exactly like uh, the agent said. He split. He spit it all out. He's like, I've heard that you're an alien from another race who's sent here to observe us, so that way you can basically invade us. And <laughs> you know, even though she tried to play that off, he, when he pushed her about it, that's when she decided to transform and kill him. So, you know, this is not. I mean, somebody made a comment the other day. Just real quick, he's like, oh, great, another villain book. Well, at least it's interesting enough for me to f- continue to follow it. And I'm like, Ron Mars has specifically said, 
we don't know yet what, what Voodoo is. Unfortunately, Wildstorm characters, you can't argue that just because they killed somebody that they're not heroes, because that's not the way that they've worked in the past. And if that's true, then Grifter's a villain too, because he killed a couple of people in the last in his issue. So I think it's interesting. I, I loved the fact that I mean, this was more a voodoo being a stripper than the original voodoo. <laughs> you know, the original voodoo, you know, they found her in a strip club, but it was very tame compared to this, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Of, what they, of what they saw. And this is the 90s we're talking about, who, always, who were always, you know, being dogged about, oh, well, all they were was TNA. Well, <laughs> not compared to this, but you know what? I think Ron Mars made good on his promise that there was a reason for it. They mentioned several times that she specifically targets the military guys from the local base and is obviously learning secrets from them. And, you know, what better way to get at a man than to, you know, basically seduce him. That's what she's doing, seducing information out of them. Obviously, continue whatever mission she has. So whatever race she's from, it's definitely not the Daemonites, but... I think it's cool that they kept that aspect that she is able to change into something else. And the shape-shifting is definitely new, but it's not something that's so far-fetched. I actually, this doesn't bother me as much as her having, what was it, magnetic powers and Captain Adam Armageddon. <laughs> that was when it was getting crazy. <laughs> you know, And it, that character at the time was more established than this one. This one, we're still learning what she can do. So... You know, I thought the shape-shifting aspect was in, uh, interesting. Like I said, I love all the little nods. I love how her stage costume is a variation of her original costume from Wildcats number one. Uh, yeah, I love the Black Razors logo on the lighter. And that was interesting catch. I never really read Black Ops, so I, I was not familiar with Shire. Um, which, by the way, the Mysterious Hooded Lady is on page 11, panel number 6, after after she kicks the crap out of all those kids. <laughs> so... Again, not as purposeful, I think, as the other one, because why would the hooded lady care in that respect? But anyway, we'll find out what her deal is eventually. It's Jessica Fallon, by the way. I just think, again, you know, you just have to forget the old version of Voodoo, and you just have to be like, okay, if this was the first time I've ever read anything about this character, would I be interested? And I would say, yes, I'm interested to know what's going to happen, what's her deal, what... What race is she from? What do they want? Why are they targeting the DCU Earth? Oh, and and uh, you know you mentioned here about uh, you know black the Black Razors. It would be nice. Obviously, in the Wallstorm universe, they were a covert you know team that went after superpowered being. It would be nice if they were in the DCU. It was just an homage, you know, great homage, Ron Mars. We appreciate it. But if not, if it's a tease, then I'm really looking forward to see what comes of that. You know. International Operations, which was the big, you know, covert agency in the Wallstrom universe, they may exist now in the DC universe. There's some clues that we'll talk about here in some of the other titles that have Wallstorm character appearances that may may answer that question better. Anything else you want to add before we continue on to the other issues, Ben? I wanted to mention that on BleedingCool.com, they did the Sunday Funnies, and Richard Pace uh, did a little comic strip about this issue and the <laughs> very subtle very yeah, subtle thank you um and its sensuality um you can find that also on burningmonster.blogspot.com I, I don't know i mean it, it basically tears apart how sexy this comic was and whether that was needed or not i thought it was fine honestly 
because what the heck comics are a fantasy and i thought it was great and due to setting up the character it made perfect sense do i think we're going to be in a strip club next issue heck no she walked out so she's obviously probably going to move on and go somewhere else and since she was found out i also thought Bosri's art was amazing and it oh yeah it totally lent to to what you know was drawn yeah, sorry, Sammy. We didn't for, we didn't mean to forget you. Your de- art was definitely awesome. I mean, I didn't really mention much about Cafu's either, but it, it yeah, the, uh, the art in both books was just great. I, I I hope they stay on there for a, a long while. I know, I, and actually, I hope they go back to a strip club because his art is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, okay. So some other Wildstorm sightings and tie-ins throughout the last month. On 914 Demon Knights number one released, Paul Cornell is also writing that one. And he had mentioned that a century baby will be revealed in that title. So we'll keep you posted on that. There hasn't been one actually shown just yet. That we know of, yes. What I really wanted to get into is Superboy number one and Teen Titans number one. And the reason why is because this issue may have just been called Fairchild as far as I'm considering it because she is in this book. Caitlin Fairchild is in this book more than Superboy is practically. It was ridiculous. Did you pick this up, Joe? Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to continue to follow it specifically because of that. So uh, I've got a lot to say about this stuff. So go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So anyways, I'm not going to do a review of the issue, but just really quick, um, we're at a facility. It's called Nowhere. It's an acronym. And there's we quickly, you know, are introduced into to Dr. Fairchild. They never say her name, however, but she's a redhead. She has glasses. So this is nerdy Caitlin before she became who she was in Gen 13, which was the leader of Gen 13 for a long time. A big Amazonian woman who could basically do anything that she wanted to because she was super strong. Um, so she's running this facility with uh, some other doctor who's a douchebag and doesn't care about the Superboy. And she always refers to him as a as a him, whereas everybody else always always refers to him as an it, like because he's not a really human being. But she can actually sense sense him, at least she thinks that she can sense him and thinks that he understands when he's in the room. However, we hear a lot of him and he really does sense her and her emotions and everything. So I don't know. I thought it was interesting. We get to see a ton of her. They almost say her name, but it gets cut off. So anyways, what did you think about it, Joe? Oh, I thought, I mean, that this was the most pleasant surprise out of the new DC 52 for, for Wildstorm fans, because nobody knew this was coming. I mean, Scott Lobdell, you know, is writing both Superboy and Teen Titans. And, you know, obviously he has done work in the Wildstorm University. He He did Wildcats. He did Gen 13, you know, so... This was such a great surprise, you know, when somebody posted on BleedingCool.com, they're like, you know, somebody let us know that this is Fairchild. He was an ex, you know, Wildstorm employee. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get too excited yet. But yeah, then when you read the issue and you saw, you saw her and then you saw how they, you know, cut off her name and like, this is Dr. Kate, you know, and they cut it off. I don't know why Scott Lovedale is teasing us like that, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was great. And I mean... I was curious to see if they were going to use those characters, and it would make total sense, I think, if if they're going to tie it in with Project Nowhere, because obviously, like you said, she doesn't have her powers yet. 
So I can totally see somehow, you know, her getting her powers with, with this project, and I can totally see the other kids showing up. You know, they even mentioned that in Teen Titans that there's more, you know, uh, young superpowered beings coming to the forefront now. And I think it helps that, you know, Lobdell's writing both issues and in over in Teen Titans, you know, it was just a uh, an allusion to what happened at the end of Superboy number one, where basically they unleash him to go after the Teen Titans. It was also great to see in Teen Titans, you know, old Wildstorm artist Brett Booth drawing Fairchild, uh, I can't remember specifically if he ever drew her before. I'm sure he did some point. I'm sure, you know, I don't think he did the actual Gen 13 title and maybe in a crossover somewhere. But regardless, I mean, when he drew her, <laughs> it was like, that's Fairchild. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so I'm totally loving that. It has me getting both books specifically for that. <laughs> so, you know, congratulations to DC to force me to get <laughs> Teen Titan to Superboy, two titles I've never gotten before. <laughs> so, <laughs> bravo and sucking me in. <laughs> Interesting that you bring that up, because I agree with you. I would have never picked up Superboy, or Teen Titans for that matter. Um, really geeked out over Superboy. I thought it was awesome to see her so much, and I assume that we'll continue to see her in that. Teen Titans, I doubt we'll see her in that very much who knows i mean she only got one page that time but that's all she needed however let's talk superman number one did you pick this up yes i did unfortunately pick up superman number one <laughs> yeah so let's talk about that this is a good time so when Stormwatch was solicited you know they had put in there specifically following the crazy secret and i'm paraphrasing following the crazy secret events that happened in Superman number one. <laughs> Any previous Wildstorm fans, anybody that loved Stormwatch, uh, the Authority, even Planetary for that matter, that's what we are seeing in the new Stormwatch. And I'll, I'll speak for both of us. Stormwatch rocks right now. I mean, it's, it is by far the strongest of the Wildstorm titles. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, there's so much going on in just the first two issues. It's crazy. Yeah. Can't wait to get talked about that one later. I know. And it's awesome. So I was like, okay, I guess I have to pick up another title just because of the crossover. Wow. The dumbest crossover. It just makes me so mad. It's one page, and it doesn't even need to be in here. I mean, if they don't do something with it in Superman, it'll just piss me off because it doesn't need to be in here it was off of a off the cuff comment about a hearing somebody in and a horn and so basically what what we realize is um when jenny jenny quantum and uh adam one when they were out in the himalayas in the in the snow and they were looking at that big huge worm horny worm looking thing i mean it was ginormous like it looked like a big cave, basically. When they were looking at that and and teleporting it to um, their home base, you know, that's what we thought it was. And then here we get one page, and it's basically this ginormous, it's got to be a huge alien form. And he's sounding a horn, almost very, very similar to, you know, one of the signs of the apocalypse at the end of Revelations or whatever. Anyways sounding a horn and then he drops the horn and leaves um yeah 
That's all I have to say. And now we return to Superman. <laughs> yeah, it just really pisses me off. It has nothing to do with Superman. It, it, it doesn't fit at all in the issue. And if I liked Superman, I would be just as pissed that this was in here. Because, I, oh man, it just makes me so mad. Because all they, they were fishing for was to sell more Superman issues. Yep. <sighs> And that's wow. exactly what they did because I bought it. I mean, I was curious to see Superman number one, and unfortunately, I won't get into it. But I wasn't very happy with it. But, but yeah, that was just so blatant. So let's just let's just drop that. <laughs> just go on. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, I mean, come on, DC. If you want us to, are the old Wallstorm fans to follow? Do more stuff like what you did in Superboy and Teen Titans. We will follow that because that character. We will follow the character. We don't want to follow. Just these random occurrences. So, anyway. and, and the story was good, and the fact yeah. that the character was in there and aided to the story was why we liked it so much. It was great. Yeah, because obviously in Stormwatch, the whole horn and all that's going to be significant because now it's on the station, the yeah, the Storm station. So, anyway, <laughs> you know, by the time you guys uh, hear this podcast, all the number twos have already started rolling out. So, uh, you know. Obviously, what we have so far out there, uh, for those of you keeping track of the Wildstorm-related uh, releases, you know, on September the 14th, you know, you should have picked up Grifter number one, Superboy number one with the Fairchild appearance. Uh, on the September the 28th, Voodoo number one, and the uh, <coughs> Superman, <laughs> and then the Teen Titans number one with, uh, you know, the further Fairchild appearance. And then here in October, you know, uh, Stormwatch number two came out on uh, October the 5th. Grifter number two will come out on October the 12th. And Superboy number two, uh, which, you know, more than likely will have another Fairchild appearance. October the 26th, Voodoo number two, and Teen Titans number two, which, you know, may or may not have a Fairchild appearance. It just depends. So I will definitely plug that book, even though it's not Wallstorm. I actually really enjoyed it, regardless of the, of the Fairchild uh, appearance. And remember that all these books are available digitally, either through DC Comics website or comicsology.com. Basically, the same day that they're released on the stands, you can get them digitally. And um, <clears throat> a couple of quick shout-outs. Uh, you know, our friend Chris Stryker from the Higher Authority has launched his new Stormwatch website, which is... Basically, just uh, you know, HTTP colon backslash backslash stormwatch.ws. So just do the stormwatch.ws. You should be able to bring it up. And uh, he doesn't have a link to Clark's Bar yet, but you can still visit uh, the Higher Authorities message board. You can go to both sites from our main page and visit Clark's Bar, and you can continue to discuss the Wildstorm integration among you know a lot of long storm, uh, long time Wildstorm fans. And that's at uh, theauthority.ws. I didn't check today. I should have. But uh, I know that Frankie de Jesus at the Eye of the Storm podcast reviewed Stormwatch number one in his own little review at eyeofthestormpodcast.blogspot.com. And, you know, some of our old friends from the comic addiction uh, have started, had started up DC Wormhole podcast. Uh, they did episode zero, which basically was a anticipation of what was coming out, and they just released episode one, and you can find that at culturalwormhole.com, which also is linked at our site, and they're covering several of the new 
uh, 52 books, and you know we're going to try to cross-promote each other and help each other out. They're going to mention, obviously, that we're covering any books that focus on Wildstorm characters. So a lot of exciting things happening you know, with the new 52. It was ridiculous how... <laughs> how well it was received and you know obviously we're ecstatic that uh, all the books stormwatch grifter voodoo they're all getting second prints so that is awesome you know it's awesome to see that people are so excited about about these characters and to want to know learn about them some of them for the first time you know so definitely happy about that so why don't you tell the people how they can get a hold of us ben sure thing you can contact joe he's on twitter twitter.com slash grifter78 uh, you can look me up I'm yo-yo master 146 at the wildstorm resource wiki that's wildstormresource.wetpaint.com or you can follow us on twitter twitter.com slash wildstormaddict or you can email both of us if you have any comments or questions about the new 52 we are wildstormaddiction at gmail.com so definitely hit us up uh, it was a good month. I was glad to see all the new number ones and especially glad to see new characters and other titles that we weren't anticipating. Um, we apologize for being a little late. Uh, we had technical difficulties last week, so I, I understand these reviews are a little late, but we got that ironed out, and we look forward to talking to you guys next time. Joe, any last words? Go buy more copies of each of the issues and give them to your friends. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys. Oh